Welcome to this week's episode of CLE Rocks, the music podcast from the birthplace of rock and roll. So listen, guys, I'm really excited because this is a different pod, kind of episode of a podcast here because so far we've really been interviewing Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, which is cool, um, but you're kind of set on what they want to talk about, what they want to say to some degree. But um, I got Joe Quazala here, comedian extraordinaire, co-host of Who Cares About the Rock Hall podcast, which you got to check out. Love it. Um, with Kristen, right? Your co-host? Yeah, Kristen Stuttered is my co-host on that. Yeah, that's an awesome podcast I think people need to check out. But the reason I wanted to bring you on is Rolling Stone just updated its 500 greatest albums for the second time. They had the original, I think, in 2003. Mm-hmm. They come back in 2012. Now we get uh, 2020, and we're all awaiting the 2028 or whatever will be the next <laughs> <laughs> update of this thing. Yeah, I want the next one now. Yeah, for real. And, you, and the reason I chose you is because you use this a lot as sort of oh, a yeah. reference, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm the same way. I've always kind of held it somewhat sacred, even though people, as you know, people like to criticize Rolling Stone. For sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And how can you make an objective list? Like that's a difficult thing to do, but this seemed as close as we were going to get to some sort of consensus. You said seemed in past tense. So does that mean you're not a fan anymore? <laughs> well, I mean, it's just you just have to recalibrate how you look at this list a little bit because I think the one from 2003 and then 2012, which to be clear, those two lists were very, very similar. Basically, right. the twenty the 2012 was like an update, like the editorial board just kind of shifted some things around as they saw fit and added some newer things and maybe things they forgot but the changes were pretty minimal whereas this 2020 list is a complete overhaul they just they surveyed new people they got new ballots from people and they started from scratch and while there are obviously things that are going to be similar this is this is now a list that i think is more expansive more inclusive and it's less rock centric it's less kind of the rolling stone white boomer dude centric so you just have to you have to readjust to think about uh what where this is coming from and what the perspective is right it's interesting you say that because i think what well, the top 10 was exactly the same on 03 in 2012 right very very yeah i i, I think maybe the only thing they did was they changed like uh, elvis's sun sessions to be <laughs> sunrise which is more or less the same album but otherwise yeah very very similar and they changed it back now, right? Did they? Or, yeah. Or whatever, and that, and that was even technically outside of the top 10. That was like number 11, right? And then they went back to, there's a few things like that. You know, it's like they try to update for the 2012. They tried to be like, okay, well, what if we got rid of this CCR album and then put in a greatest hits because it's more inclusive? I don't know. Like get rid of the two King of the Delta Blues albums for Robert Johnson and replace it with the anthology, like things like that, that only maybe you and I would pay attention to. Yeah. You know, and I think they even went back to the Robert Johnson. They switched it again, but it's funny because I always had a, like not a problem with the compilations. I think it was their way, obviously like of getting, you know, little Richard or Chuck Berry maybe on the list. Yeah. Those singles artists that were before the album era. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll start right at the top because Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, number one for, for both yeah. lists, uh, the greatest album of all time, probably the consensus. Maybe until recently, we can talk about that. That's not number one anymore. How surprised were you at that? 
Uh, very surprised, especially that it fell to, I believe, number 24. It which did. is is a steep drop. I, I guess I could have seen it falling somewhere, but still in the top 10, just because that is... And and maybe it's the lists that make us think this, but because I was not there, you were not there uh, in 1967, but that was just understood. The way people talk about that album was like it changed things, you know, yeah, in, in, a, in a way that puts it at the top, both on a quality level, but also like contextually what it did for all music. Yeah, I thought it, if anything... It surprised me that it wasn't number one, but I I just assumed if it wasn't, another Beatles album would be number one. Um, I've seen, maybe, yeah, maybe finally Pet Sounds can break out of the right. number two slot. Like I, I could see people, you know, there's an argument of like is Revolver uh, better than Sgt. Pepper, but now mm-hmm. Rolling Stones come around, or at least the voters to Abbey Road, the highest ranking Beatles album, and that's also I thought that was interesting because of the vinyl era. I think Abbey Road is the highest selling vinyl even of the last like 20 years. Oh, really? <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's it sold the most and you can't go into a target without seeing Abbey road, uh, on the vinyl rack yeah. uh, or urban outfitters or whatever. So interesting. Um, I wonder how much of that has, I mean, I think Abbey, Abbey road might be my personal favorite pick for Beatles albums, but I wonder how much of that has to do with the iconic album cover. I think it has, you know, I think you're dead on. I think it has a lot. And I think anybody wants to be different, you know, like the white album comes into play, but yeah. so, so, the Beatles in I think it was twenty uh, two thousand three and if, and for two thousand twelve as well of course I think that would they have four albums in the top ten including Rubber Soul which has kind of fallen back a little yeah, bit yeah so they, yeah this, Sergeant Pepper's was number one Revolver was three Rubber Soul was five so they're taking three out of the top five slots uh, uh, and then the White Album was number ten and Abbey Road was at 14. Like, so they were really taking up a lot of real estate at the top. And I get it if you feel like maybe spread those out a little bit, but there's also like, you have to acknowledge the extreme significance of the Beatles. And I think that did that. You, But the argument that it was maybe a little overkill, I get as well. I think like, you know, Rolling Stone's always been obsessed with the Beatles, the Stones, mm-hmm. Bruce Springsteen, you chose. Yeah, nobody's nobody. I don't think anybody was surprised that those albums were were dominating. But you're right. I I think something like Rubber Soul. I don't I don't really think is a consensus top five ten album anymore. Mm-hmm. Um. So the other thing. Okay. So we we talking about the Beatles, but the number one album is not by the Beatles. It's not by the Beach Boys. It's I was shocked. Yeah. <laughs> Mar- Marvin Gaye. What's going on now? I'm gonna be honest. I said my top probably top five albums of all time. To you, is it the greatest album of all time? And also how much, if not, or whether it was, how much of the timing of what's going on in America today do you think contributes to that that being number one? Uh, I, th- I mean, I think what's going on is always going to be in the conversation of at the top, right? It's like if, if, if it was not in the top 10, that maybe would have been more shocking than it being at number one, I think just because that is that there are a handful of albums and they're at the, at the top here or usually, and what's going on is one of them. I do think it does really feel like this is a kind of response to the cultural climate right now, right? It feels perfectly timed. Um, And I, I, you know, I'm open to, I'm open to it being the greatest album of all time. Uh, I don't know if, you know what, if that's what it has to be for a little bit, 
I think that's I think that's fine. Yeah, and it wasn't. We don't want to make it like it was a, a huge leap because it was number six on yeah. the previous list. Right. It's just I don't look. Yo, Rolling. That's a big jump for Rolling Stone. It, you know, they had what twelve artists of color on the original list. Um, and Marvin was high, but to see that at number one, I was very surprised, pleasantly surprised that in, in the Joni Mitchell Blue album being so high as well. Yeah, that that that's a shock as well. Um, you know, but the other thing is that you want to look at this and the impulse is that this was designed, right? That this list was created, but really it was compiled. It right. was aggregated from a bunch of different ballots. So things like that are a surprise kind of by accident. You know, it's just that's what people were saying they liked. That's what people were putting at the top of their list, and that's how it came out. And so I wonder, I see, the way they did last time where they, like, altered the list a little bit for the update i wonder if they would do that with this list or if the next time we get one it's going to be another complete overhaul yeah i think it's you're right about the compiling because a lot of people just overlooked that right like oh here's rolling stone again doing their thing it becomes where did rolling stone put it where really it's kind of out of their hands i mean they choose who votes but then after that it's out of their hands I want to ask you, you know, before I get caught up in just, you know, punching away on these details, yeah. what what were you most, look, I, you know, I know your vibe. What made you angry about what, <laughs> one thing? What pissed you off the most about the list? Yeah, um, you know, I maybe they were a little too represented in the previous list, but we had like a bunch of Smith's albums drop off. They're one of my favorites, and I, I, I love those albums so much, and now they are, they're completely gone. Um, but, you know, on the same ticket, like, if we're talking about post-punk New Wave, like, Disintegration went up, we got Joy Division's first album, which weirdly had not been on there before, uh, Vi- Violator by Depeche Mode went up, so... I know there's a little bit of give and take, but I do like those Smiths albums, but maybe having like four on there is a little bit greedy. Uh, I mean, I thought it, I thought it was too bad when there were a few Nick Drake albums that dropped off in 2003 that did not return. Uh, that's, that's kind of a bummer. Uh, otherwise, you know, I, I wouldn't say, and may, maybe I'm forgetting something, but I wouldn't say that I was super, pissed at too many things i'm a relatively diplomatic guy and you know talking about something like the rock and roll hall of fame i do get in the mindset a lot of trying to look at things without bias and objectively without putting my own preferences into it because that's not how you approach you should approach something like this it's not your five it's not your 500 favorite albums you're you're weirdly i do think there's a difference you're trying to think about what are the best albums. And there are other things to consider beyond, do you like to listen to it? Yeah. And I think for me, um, it, a lot of it is, I look at the top 50, top 100. I think if you're, yeah, you're going to find stuff in, you know, number 486. I don't even know what that was, but <laughs> you get back there. Like, uh-huh. do I need Harry Styles most recent album in the top 500? No, I do not. Um, yeah. Especially with some of the stuff that they, they got out of there. It's interesting when you mentioned sort of the, the boomer white dude rocker, like 
and they they kicked off some of those ultimate boomer white boy white man rock albums like uh, Highway to Hell, um, Toys got- in the Toys in the Attic. Toys in the Attic's gone. We got two two Cream albums, which like the you know like Fresh Cream is gone. Like the I'm looking at the the highest ranking albums that are gone, and oh, it's yeah. you know like the the Beatles debut, Please Please Me, was at 39. Mm-hmm. Gone. That uh, Trout Mask Replica by Ooh, Captain Beefheart. That was a tough one. Which is always was- always very high. It was at 60. That's gone. Uh, there's a lot of those like early Rolling Stones albums that are gone, which I'm fine with. I yeah, that's the ones, good. The ones where they're like doing blues covers in like the mid '60s are, are just nowhere near like Exile or Sticky Fingers. Uh, like it is funny that Moby Grape was always <laughs> always on there, like legitimately a band no one ever talks about, uh, and and is square in that uh, in that boomery. Uh, you know, interest area, you know, the, the birds lost a few albums and I like the birds quite a bit. Uh, the presence of you too, definitely, you know, that, that to me is such a hallmark of these Rolling Stones lists. And uh, we saw you too, especially like Joshua, that Octung baby is now ahead of Joshua tree. And then we lose, you know, war, or all that you can't leave behind. Uh, yeah, I was boy. surprised. Uh, the Stooges' raw power. Uh, I would have, you know, I think is a top. Yeah. You know, I put that ahead of a lot of the newer albums. But it's also hard to judge a lot of those newer albums uh, so fast. I was, you know, it's always been my Rolling Stone album that, like, Rolling Stone love that I just didn't understand was "Love Forever Changes." And I know oh, yeah. <laughs> that dropped from forty, I think, to like one eighty. That was funny because that album was always like Rolling Stones just fiending on this album. And most people haven't heard it, to be honest. You no, know. absolutely. Like, I did not know about the band or that album before the list. It's like they're, <laughs> they're single handedly <laughs> keeping love alive. Oh, I'm trying to think what the. So I look at, I, you know, I went through and I tried to mark what was new. I think the first new album that jumped out at me, because I actually, I was surprised going through the list. I, I was not uh, upset or shocked at a lot of the new albums they were at. I was like, okay, that works. When I got to the end of the top 100 and the two artists albums that stuck out to me, Drake's take care and yeah. Taylor Swift's red. Mm-hmm. Those to me, cause everything in the top hundred to me is a, is a masterpiece should be a masterpiece. Um, cause Led Zeppelin's first album or the clash's first albums, not it's just outside of that or sticky fingers. I don't get those two albums. Honestly, I don't even think red is Taylor Swift's best album. Well, maybe it is, but I don't think it I mean, belongs in the top they're, 100. They're telling us it is now, so we have to believe oh, them. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, t- Take Care being in the top 100 Ooh. is a is an odd choice. And I have to I have to come clean that those are – I know the, some of the tracks off of Take Care and some of the tracks off of Red, but I can't say that I've listened to them as complete albums, so maybe I'm not the correct person to judge. But I, I think you could say – easily that a lot of this list is kind of reactionary uh i i have the years i so let's be clear i went through 
this but all three versions of the list i put them into an excel spreadsheet so i can really look at this my man my man like the true dork that i am (laughs) and you see more albums from the 2010s or at least more new albums from the 2010s than you do from the 2000s in terms of what was added to the list and i think that's because it's reactionary people are excited about this fresh stuff and then there's like a dip in the 2000s and then there's more in the 90s and i think people aren't nostalgic for the 2000s yet the way they are for the 90s and so i when you get how do you do you really have enough time to say that an album from 2019 is one of the 500 greatest albums of all time even if it's great like don't we need some time even I don't know if you want to say of the past five or ten. I mean, I think one of the reasons, one of the good things about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is we are given twenty five years to properly judge and evaluate the significance of an artist's career. And to look at some of these newer albums, it's harder to put it into the what it might eventually wind up, where we might you know with time with just like a little bit of time an album that's like maybe not even a year old because we had three albums from 2019 we had uh billy eilish and lana del rey which those both obviously made a splash and then that harry styles album is a is a strange choice as good as it may be yeah i think it's and then it's also like this critical acclaim right like the lana del rey album uh billy eilish maybe less so because of you know, um, she's just kind of been anointed one of those next artists that's just going to keep making great things. But like in 20 years are three or however many Fiona Apple albums going to be um, on here. I, you know, you're right. I doubt that. Um, yeah, maybe, so, maybe not. I mean, but the fact yeah, that those, those weren't on the list and they could have been, I believe, because, you know, the la- I mean, not the Idler Wheel, which came out in 2012, but, you know, the, the ones that came before that uh, had been around and had, had made their impact. And, and then it just it took the time. So that's maybe one where with a little bit of distance, we were able to see the significance of, of Fiona in, in her work. Yeah, I think. But, you know, it's crazy because if you told me when I was in college, you know, I was a big, mu- you know, kind of a music snob, uh, not kind of, um, but definitively, <laughs> yeah. If you told me that the guy who sang Gasolina, Daddy Yankee, was going to have an album in the top five hundred, yeah, albums on Rolling Stone, I would have told you were nuts. That's I such mean. a shock, but I do like that there are a number of Spanish-speaking artists on this list. Uh, you know, I'm all for more inclusivity with this. Uh, yeah, I, Dame Mas Gasolina definitely was a song <laughs> that I remember hearing in college and being like, this song is silly. But, no, you know, if, if you're going to, if I, Daddy Yankee's huge, you know, it, it, especially with like Despacito recently, I didn't fully understand because I kind of thought Daddy Yankee, just from hearing Gasolina, was like, oh, it's almost like a novelty song. But uh, he, he's a major, major. Uh, artist in the you know latin charts and etc and yeah, he's the, big in billboard yeah it's just like they said look there's gonna be conspiracy theories right like taylor swift just sneaks in the top 100 you know rolling stone's got to get her in the yeah top right 100 just barely uh, what does it say about the list let me ask just because you know it's an important list to me but then you really look at an album like purple rain which is out of the top 50 originally on the original list 
and now it's eight where I think we all you know think it's around the spot where it belongs. So mm-hmm. what does that say about the previous list that Purple Rain was so low? Yeah, right. Purple Rain had been at 76 and is now at eight. So that's, that's quite a leap. And yeah, so it does, it casts a little bit of doubt of the validity of the, of the first two iterations. And, and I think, you know, it's that, it's that white dude thing, you know, and (laughs) Prince is good enough that white dudes will still put him in the top hundred. But when you start to expand your reach of who you're talking to, it becomes more clear that obviously Purple Rain is a top 10 album. Yeah, that was weird to me. Like, I didn't even think of it until, you know, they started showing the numbers where it's like Prince went from here to here. That was pretty crazy to me um, that it was that now he's up that high. The other thing, I guess I'm not as surprised, um, even though I thought, you know, Kid A coming up to 20 from being in the 60s. uh, That was I think it's where it's where it belongs. Mm-hmm. Um, but that and doesn't surprise me as much because of the age, the generational thing. Yeah, and I don't know if you remember, but the 2003 list, this was actually a major update for the 2012. Was Kid A was at 428. Wow. So it was like kind of hanging out at the bottom. And then within that you know, nine-year span between the first two lists, it cracked the top 100. Like it became abundantly clear how uh, powerful and impactful that album was. Yeah. So what, what other takeaways, was there anything uh, album wise you were pleasantly surprised to see make the list or, or hop up the list a lot? Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Nirvana fan. So to see Nevermind finally in the top 10, I think is warranted and makes me personally happy. Uh, and then like in utero went up as well. Uh, unplugged slightly went up as well. Uh so, you know, I, I liked seeing that and, you know, I liked seeing more hip hop towards the top. I thought that was great. Um, the zombies are, I, I, I always, you know, that that's to me also kind of like a, a Rolling Stone mainstay Odyssey and Oracle. And that is an album I kind of find, I found through the list and it has dropped down, but I'm glad it's still on there because I do think that's one of those like you discover Odyssey and Oracle and you're like, oh, wow, what what is this? What is this hidden gem? I'm into it. Yeah, there's just some things to pick apart for me. Um, Albert King's Born Under a Bad Sign didn't make the list. It was barely on the list before, um, you know, might be maybe maybe the greatest pure blues album blues of all guitar. time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's not on there. I think they got rid of both ZZ Top albums. Yeah, there's no ZZ Top anymore. Band on um, the Run, Band on the Runs, but Soundgarden, Super Unknown, ah, that really yeah. And me. you know, we 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 gained some uh, like kind of classic soul artists, but also at the expense of others. Like we got Roberta Flack for the first time, but LaBelle's Nightbirds is gone. You know, the Isley Brothers are finally on the list, but the OJ's are gone. Uh, so you know, there's there's a, a little bit in that regard of one step forward and then, you know, a, a step backwards, like Barry White is gone. Uh, and, and that, you know, yeah, I guess you, you can't have it all. Uh, both of Cheap Tricks albums are gone. Uh, I think the biggest loser here is Eric Clapton. Because if, if you think of his albums being gone, or the if you think album. about it. So he was uh, on that first John Mile and the Blues Breakers album, right. uh, which had been a mainstay. That's gone. The both Yardbirds albums are gone. Now he was only on one of those. 
two out of the three cream albums are gone and then both his solo albums are gone so he was he had a major presence on six albums that are now off the list and his only representation now is layla and one of the cream albums yeah i think you know that we could say goodbye to that you know Whatever, if there was the Eric Clapton Rolling Stone interview that's coming, um, not to, <laughs> assuming Eric Clapton he pays cares. attention, yeah. There was this element I thought of cultural significance or influence compared to quality in some of these cases, like Kanye West 808s and Heartbreak is at number 244. That's not a good album. I mean, it's not, that's not a great album, I guess. I'll that's, say. A, that's a surprising one, you know, and we, we've got everything up until Yeezus, right? Like we've got six oh Kanye God, albums. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they have Yeezus and then it's Kanye's like graduation. I don't think is a top 500 album, a uh, very good album. And then like, I look at, are you really who I want to know who is going to sit and make an argument that Quadrophenia or raw power or born under bass is, is bested by Britney Spears' blackout. That's a, yeah, that's a really, the Britney Spears choice is an interesting one because it's also not during her prime years. It's not during her heyday. It's Blackout, which is from 2007. And, you know, Baby One More Time was late 90s. And that's when she was really, I mean, you could say she evolved into an artist. I, some would not say that. Uh, but yeah, that was an interesting one that I was what piece of me is like the, the big song off of that. And I guess that album must be important to a few people. Cause it's on the list, but it's towards the bottom. I know Robert, Rob Sheffield loves it. It's like his jam. I don't know if he, I'm assuming he had a vote. Yeah, I think he did. I, I, I think he, he is. So you had to, if you had a ballot, you got to submit 50 albums. That was the ballot this year. And I wonder if that's enough like i would imagine most and you and i could easily fill out towards a hundred right of of what you think the greatest albums are and it makes me wonder if people had to be uh specific and almost like political about who they can include because it's not it seems like a lot, but it really isn't like that fills up quickly. And so then does it become, well, I'm only going to put one for each artist because I'm trying to include so many different albums and what happens there when you don't have a lot of spots And I I'm curious. I think it's, what was interesting to me is if I, you know, I, I glanced at the list of voters, I believe. So I saw like Raekwon, I think had a, at a ballot. Uh-huh. So let's just like, it's Raekwon, right? I don't know Raekwon from Wu-Tang Clan. Great guy, great rapper, love Wu-Tang, but the odds of his top 50 albums being all hip hop and possibly R&B is very likely. So the other thing too, is you're not, you're not getting a list from all people who have very diverse musical taste. You know, someone's turning in a ballot that's like 40 metal albums and then maybe some Beatles albums. Yeah, right. Exactly. I think so. That's what you that's what you have to counteract, though. And I think that maybe is a good thing balance wise, because you probably had from the first few lists, you had people who had a diverse palette and are journalists and cover 
all kinds of music so they can, you know, have a really wide view of things. But I'm sure there were a lot of people who were very rock centric. And so to kind of balance that out, you do need those people who are like hip hop all day so that you can get to some place in the middle, which is what this list feels like. It feels like a, a big, uh, exciting picks from a lot of different genres. Right, like you, you have a good amount of R and B and hip hop mixed in with classic rock, and you know, e- even Spanish speaking artists and things that are new and things that are old, and I. That's what this feels like. It feels like this does not. This list is not personal. Like nobody is like, "Yep, this is what my CD collection is like." <laughs> that would be uh, yeah. interesting and i'd like to talk to that person but it, 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 cool. it, it, yeah yeah it's an attempt to draw from different places so i think you do need to get your your raekwons while you're also getting you know your john darnielle's you know or you're getting your jason isbell's and you know you're getting your beyonce's and your robert it, smith's you're going from all over the place i think there's some you know there's some arguments within arguments like Kid A over OK Computer, you know, that surprised me a little bit. Um, so, you know, and then the the top, you know, to get to the new stuff, right? I think the top new album was 19, Kendrick Lamar, To Pimp a yes. Butterfly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that was Beyonce's Lemonade. So you're really hitting like the two maybe most artistically celebrated artists um, modern day that are working towards the top of the list. But I look at like, I had a problem with... Uh, and I hate doing this because it's, well, I think one of three black women that's on the list. Uh, Lauren Hill's the miseducation of Lauren Hill being in the top 10. Top 10. Yeah. Uh, I guess I get, I, that album's great. Uh, and, you know, I think sometimes maybe the tendency is to think about the fact that that did not usher in a long career for her with like a lot of great albums. You know, that was definitive and then you know she kind of took her own path it didn't start this long uh career the the way we thought it would but i don't think that detracts from the significance of, of what that album did and that you know you remember that album was huge when it came out and people do still talk about it T- top 10 is any anytime something breaks the top 10 you and hasn't been before and has been such a leap because it, it has always been on the list, but now, you know, it went from three fourteen to ten. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and I shouldn't I shouldn't, you know, I mean there's other stuff like, you know, Fleetwood Mac rumors isn't my jam. I would have moved a wreath up. I mean, we could sit here and nitpick it. I'm curious because you do a rock hall podcast. I cover mm-hmm. the rock hall. How do you think some of the things you see on this list transfer to rock hall nominating and voting? Um, there's some people in the same circle of all this, mm-hmm. um, obviously, because it's yeah, Rolling Stone. Love and yeah, they, they, there's you know Lenny K, like all, all sorts of guys and sometimes girls uh, like that. Uh, yeah, I I'm not sure what to think in terms of the overlap or like will this start conversations? We have no idea when the nominating committee is going to convene again, but would the presence of some artists like I mean, Rufus is always on the ballot, as we know, but, you know, they finally broke through the list, you know, even though if it was barely at 499, <laughs> Ask Rufus is in there. 
but yeah, I, I am curious. And, and that's, that's an interesting idea. Like does D'Angelo become part of the conversation because he's got three albums on here and does, does it put his career as a potential hall of famer as a new idea? Yeah. It's interesting because when I saw the Ruva Shaka Khan, my head just goes to the Rockland. I think, okay, they're going to get nominated again. Um, mm-hmm. I was always on the fence about Lauren Hill, not personally, um, taking myself out of my personal opinion. Like I was on the fence of whether she would be someone the nominating committee and the voters would look to, especially since she's performed at a previous ceremony, right. seeing her in the top 10. I guess it's not so much, are these people who voted, are they going to push for Rachel nomination? It actually, it just kind of the people in the industry or the people in that circle, how, what is their train of thought on some of these artists at the moment? And with Lauren, Becoming eligible. I'm not. I can't off the top of my head. It's soon um, that she'll yeah, be eligible. It, it, it'll be soon, right? Because we've got 95 is this year, right? Is right. what the next class will be, and then so yeah, that that'll be around the corner. Yeah, you wonder yeah. like, are we finally going to get someone from the cast of Sister Act two in the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame? And you know, I've been campaigning for that. <laughs> You know, and they were like, no, Whoopi's album was more of a comedy album. And I'm like, you need to recognize greatness. Uh, Yeah, it's but also the thing with like, you know, black women have not been uh, done right by the Rock Hall. And you hate to try to put it in a sense of taking the turn. But, you know, when you're talking about someone I mean, the, just the fact that we talked about LaBelle and Roberta Flack already and Dionne Warwick and uh, Shaka Khan. And I mean, Sade is on this list a lot. There is just <laughs> such an embarrassing backlog that it does, as good as Lauren Hill is, it does maybe feel like a little bit of a leapfrog to get there. And even just in terms of hip hop, because, you know, Lauren Hill, that's one of the great things about that album is that Lauren Hill did, she's like an incredible singer and a great soul and R&B artist, but she also, you know, she has an incredible flow and she's a great a rapper as well. And we know the backlog for hip hop is super log jammed as well. Right. And so do you, do you leapfrog or is it going to be the thing where this year it's, it's going to be one a year, like it's going to be Jay Z, and then it's going to be Eminem, and then we're going to try to get LL again, and it's not going to happen. And then that's, and then we're still waiting for Outcast. Like it's you, you wonder about that procession as well. I think with hip hop, they've kind of got in their groove, right? I think I think if anything, the Rock Hall nominee committee probably is like patting themselves on the back. They're like, we got this hip hop thing down, right? One a year, you know, are sure. For, <laughs> they're probably pacing it out. They're like, we got J, then we got M. Then mm-hmm. we can bring in, you know, maybe we'll bring LL back. <laughs> right. For, like, for another shot at glory. Can you imagine yeah. if we you saw two hip hop artists, like pure on the, on the ballot, I'd be shocked. I'd be like, whoa, okay, it's now been, we're moving. <laughs> it has happened, but it's been, a, it's been a long time since that has been the case. What was the last one? God, I think it might've been like maybe 2013 public NWA enemy and, and NWA yeah, were both on the right. ballot. Yeah. Um, th- That'd be a weird thing to see, but I think they're in their their groove uh, with the hip hop nominating anyway. Nothing else but just hip hop. <laughs> yeah, you know it, the Rock Hall is both. I think 
really good with hip hop and then really bad, right? Because we see Biggie and Tupac and uh, Run DMC and Public Enemy all getting in first year eligibility, right? Which is what should happen. And so that's like A plus, great. And then it's like, okay, but Tribe and Outkast are still still haven't been on a ballot and LL still is waiting. It's been 10 years at least of eligibility at this point. I think the Rockle just has that problem, right? Like Tupac and Biggie, I, I say low hanging fruit. They're low hanging fruit for the Rockle. That's not a knock on them. They're tremendous artists who should be in the Rockle on their first mm-hmm. try, but that's easy, right? That's easy money for the nominating committee. It's like, yeah, that's we a, nominate it, them. They're in. Like, we don't got to worry about that. That gets just basically, our black guy in the rock. Yeah, they have, they have music sainthood, right? So it's, yeah. it's an easy thing to, to check off. Uh, and their legacy is kind of encased in amber, whereas someone like LL, you know, I say more power to him, but his subsequent career in TV right. and movies has to have uh, diluted it a little bit. It's just crazy because I look at Jay-Z – it's clear no brainer obviously is going to be nominated unless he calls him and says, leave me the hell out of this. Um, he's going to be nominated. I think even that wouldn't necessarily stop it. <laughs> right. I, I don't. He's in and, and LL is just sitting there. The real you know, raps first solo star, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. It's just sitting there. I, the rock calls a, a weird beast and it, it almost helps big in Tupac that they're dead. It's like, Hey, we don't have to worry about, you know, this Tupac thing becoming controversial. He's dead. Who's going to hate on this guy? We can just worry about Pearl Jam being our headliner. I kind of felt like that. When yeah. I said the yeah. Ceremony. No, you're right. You're totally right. We, we could shape his induction because he's not alive. Um, or we can get Puffy instead of Biggie. Or like, I don't know. I, the question I want to get you out of here on this, um, we, we got off topic there of the 500 albums, but that's where it takes you, right? When you're yeah, dealing with something of course. like this. You think about both. It's like the, the, I've always thought that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is like an evolving list. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it, you're just adding new names to the list every year. Do you think we get the updated songs list next? I kept, I'm like waiting for Ooh. it. <laughs> Yes. When was when was the last time they did that? Twenty ten. Right. So they and they they updated that too. You know, uh, roughly around the the same time that they did the albums. So maybe we're due for songs. I get the sense that hmm, because I think the albums was definitively the most popular thing on RollingStone.com. I wonder if the songs, if people care as much. But yeah, that's a, and it's tough. It's like you could make a list of a thousand songs. And right, I mean, what was not what's number one? Uh, like a Rolling Stone? What's I'm can't even. Off the I top think of my head. number one. I think is usually respect by Aretha. Yeah, they, they, there's those songs that are you know uh, top ten that you know. Give me shelter will be up there. Um, oh, they love like they a, love yesterday. Hey Jude, I mean you know. Yeah, like a Rolling Stone is, is always up there. It has to be you know when you're yeah. Rolling Sad Stone magazine. Thing. Yeah, so. Uh, I, I was interested in to see if that was coming next, um, but we'll see. You know, um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all for it. I'm not all for taking the time to put it all into an Excel spreadsheet. But you know what? <laughs> that's that's my problem. I I put that on myself. No one asked me to do that. <laughs> I mean, it's the only way to look at it. Because you deal with 500 albums. And- yeah, and if you, I feel like if you really want to analyze it, and you know what, someone else did this and they made it publicly available, and so you can go and find that because that's in, so you don't have to do it all yourself the way I did, and like I finished it, and then an hour later someone was like, I did it, and they yeah. like did it better, 
It was great. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate you taking the time for my podcast. Are you guys active right now? Are you dropping new episodes? Yeah, regularly? we are. We're back. And, you know, actually, we just put out – it's it's Friday, October 2nd, and we just put out our own uh, 500 best albums uh, kind of discussion. So you, you can check that out. And we'll be, like, reviewing the nominees for this year and talking about the induction as we get closer to it because we're getting close. It's It's nearly a month out from the whatever the that induction is going to be or what it's going to look like so we're going to ramp up to it that's who cares about the rock hall is the name of the podcast and uh you know it's a discussion about music through the lens of that bizarre institution that is the rock hall yeah and i think that's what i like about the podcast is that you know it's everybody thinks oh you guys are obsessed too obsessed with the rock hall i mean it's just a jumping off point for discussing what we all love you know and that's music and, and rock and roll history yeah absolutely um so you know it's 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 all opinion based, but you guys do a good job balancing that out and using that as a springboard. Thank for other you. Thanks. I was just happy Appreciate to have you on because I was I was kind of getting sick of talking to rock and roll hall of famers. No, I <laughs> it's uh yeah right. I mean I bet that's fun, but yeah you know you you balance it out a little bit because you know they know about their induction and then you know <laughs> but, what, what listen, else man. Half of them don't know about their induction. <laughs> Half of them are like, what are you talking about? I'm in the rock right. hall. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's a Hall of Oates, uh, John Oates? What do you think about your induction? That was long. That's about it. Like, <laughs> all right, cool, man. Well, you know, check out Who Cares About the Rock Hall. Great podcast. Um, and, you know, interact. I love seeing people interact with the, the stuff on Twitter uh, when the episodes drop. Yeah, absolutely. And we are at Rock Hall Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, on Twitter, I'm at Joe K. Joe K. If you want to give me a follow, I sometimes say things about music. <laughs> cool, man. Thanks. Hey, thank you, Troy.